Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Waking up this morning to a Donald Trump caucus victory in Iowa, it felt a little like Groundhog Day. You've seen this movie before. It ended chaotically. In case it makes you feel a little better, I'm here to remind you that Trump did not win the Iowa caucuses back in 2016. Ted Cruz did. So technically, anything could still happen. But if you are feeling alarmed, you might be looking for some alternative candidate to offer you a little relief. You might be asking yourself, where is Joe Biden at this particular moment? The answer to that is on the campaign trail. But Slate's Alex Salmon says he'd forgive you if you had not noticed. I mean, one writer characterized the campaign as having alarming calm. Would you agree (laughs) with that? (laughs) I could see why one would feel that way. Alex has been tracking how Joe Biden's campaign messaging compares to what the Republicans have been up to over the last few months. He says while Trump and the rest of his crew have been giving speeches and showing up to debates and just generally making noise... Biden's camp has been remarkably quiet, and that's only now beginning to change. It's rumbling a little bit. Like, there there are rumblings beneath the surface now. Like, he has made a multiple public appearances this this month, I think, too. Um, it's happening. Is that a lot for him? I think that that's a lot. Thank you. The other day, Biden showed up outside Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. He called Trump out by name. He called out Trump supporters, too. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy. None. It was very, very strong in the sense that it was, you know, articulating the threat that Trump poses, articulating uh, just a vision for America that Republican control would would bring if, if Trump wins the presidency back. Trump's not concerned about your future, I promise you. Trump is now promising a full-scale campaign of revenge and retribution, his words. Is this his usual approach, Biden's usual approach? No, definitely not. That's because for years on Capitol Hill, Joe Biden has been Mr. Compromise. Last time he was on the campaign trail, he kept talking about how he was sure that Republicans were about to have an epiphany and move on from MAGA. The question on Alex's mind now is whether Joe Biden is going to keep the speeches like this one up or whether he'll revert to form and continue to be the guy who sees working across the aisle as essential to getting things done. Yes, this appeal to common decency and like Americanness and like this sort of thing. 
It's an old habit that he really can't kick. Listening to this speech that he had, what was it, just a handful of days ago at this point, there was none of that, right? It was very, very strong. Today on the show, is Joe Biden's quiet campaign about to pump up the volume? And once it does, who exactly is going to be listening? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, I was reading a New York Magazine profile of Joe Biden's campaign, and the writer had this great line that if Joe Biden's campaign had an unofficial motto, it might be calm the F down, trust the process, and vote for Biden one more time. I'm wondering if you would agree with that. I <laughs> it does sort of seem internally like that's the thinking. Um I think that they they haven't freaked out. You haven't seen huge shakeups, right? You haven't seen mass firings, you haven't seen mass resignations, you haven't really seen a change in approach on 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 policy certainly. So the question is like ultimately is that convincing to a voter or is that just convincing to a staffer? The keep calm and vote for Biden poster or whatever, or vote for whoever the hell, it doesn't really move the needle. I'm happy for people inside Biden world to tell each other that. But I think that you need a little more in the line of persuasion, in the line of a theory of governance, in the line of what are you going to do with another term? And I think that if Biden can hold on and win one more, probably Democrats are in great shape. Uh, probably the country's in OK shape. But, you know, at the same time, like, again, how many months straight of polls where every single one of them is like a, is like a blowout loss? Like, I don't know. At a certain point, you sort of have to take stock of that a little bit. Blowout loss might sound a little dramatic, but it's not so far off. The country has soured on Joe Biden. There's just not another way to put it. According Biden's approval rating has been slumming it in the upper 30s since October. He consistently trails Trump in national polls. And in Michigan, a key swing state... He is eight points behind. Snapshot in time. Biden's approval rating is 39% in our poll, 61% disapprove of There is a long time before November 2024, and the polls are already starting to narrow. But all this begs this question, where's the disconnect between Biden and his voters? I feel like as I watch Joe Biden govern right now, I can feel his calm elder statesman approach. Like, he seems to be trying to find a middle way on a whole lot of things. Like, I look at, for instance, immigration, where far-right Republicans are trying to make everything about immigration. But really, Biden kind of opened himself up to this conversation by saying, oh, I'll do some border things if you pass my Ukraine aid. And now it's like, oh, we're talking about the border. We're talking about the border. Let's talk about the border from the Republicans. What do you make of that kind of approach? Right. I think that ultimately, like, the great question here 
is do Democrats talk about the things that they want to talk about and message on those? Or do they talk about the things that Republicans want them to talk about and they try to defang those? Right. Those are the two sort of strategies that are being juggled here. Well, to be fair, some Democrats do want to talk about immigration, too. Like you see big city mayors who feel overwhelmed by migrants who are bussing into their cities. So it's not exact 100 percent just Republicans versus Democrats. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think that the, the immigration issue is, is fascinating because it's it's perfectly indicative of just the the old Democratic mindset where, like, uh, you just concede and concede and concede to Republicans and you've already lost. And then you try to give them what they want policy wise. And it doesn't matter because they don't care about the policy anyways. It was only ever about messaging. And so the immigration package that we're seeing right now that's being uh, meted out by both the White House and this bipartisan group of senators is like just objectively heinous. And um, and it's interesting, right, because some people have said, like, well, Biden knows it's heinous, but he really wants Ukraine aid. Um, there are other people who I've talked to who have said, actually, Biden just wants this. He just wants he wants a border deal so that Republicans will stop talking about the border. But is that how to get Republicans to stop talking about the border? <laughs> right, right. It's a classic Democratic mistake where it's like, OK, Republicans have been hammering you on this issue from the second you were elected, right? From the second that election was finalized, Republicans have been like, Biden's open border, open border policies, Biden's amnesty policies, right? It's not even true. There's no, there's not really any substance to it, but it doesn't matter. They've just been hammering it over and over and over again. And like you mentioned, like these red state governors are busing these migrants to these blue cities. It's all part of this campaign. And Democrats have said nothing. They haven't said this is factually incorrect. They haven't said we protect the dignity of, of migrants. They haven't said like asylum law is international law. Like Biden said that on the campaign trail. He hasn't said it since. So not only have they not fought Republicans on this issue for three years, they also articulated no alternative on a policy level. So it's this classic thing where like we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. They haven't even fought on this even the slightest amount. And now they're ready to, to roll over and concede to Republicans whatever they want so they can get them to stop talking about it. But that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I can also feel like Joe Biden's natural instincts to like pull towards centrism in the way he's approaching what's happening in Israel right now. And that's one of the things you can really see in the polls, that people, when you ask them, they're feeling pretty differently than Joe Biden. But Joe Biden seems to be acting as if it's 20 years ago, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's right. And those numbers are <laughs> right. Start looking issue based like they're not going to run on that either because the numbers on that are are also they're also really bad. Um, and they're they're obviously they're really bad in the areas that Joe Biden needs to be really good, which is like young voters and people of color like this issue in particular is very, very resonant with those groups who do not share the sort of unconditional support of Israel nonstop weapons transfers sort of orientation to the issue. That's just not how they feel. And you can look at this. It's black voters. It's Latino voters. It's young voters. They are all on the same page on this. That's the base for Democrats. Right. That's exactly it. And it's like those are the people that Biden is doing the worst with right now. Like when we look at these cross tabs on demographics, it's like those groups already didn't really like Biden. I think a lot of them were like, well, that's not our guy. We're not excited about this guy. And it was like, give us a reason not to like him and we won't like him. And this, unfortunately, has really turned into like, well, here's your reason. Here, Here is a reason. It's interesting because the one thing Joe Biden does not want to compromise on are democratic norms. When Biden speaks about the way Trump 
tried to stay in office after losing the election. He gets incredibly worked up. He's passionate about it. In their world, these Americans, including you, don't count. But that's not the real world. That's not democracy. That's not America. And losers are taught to concede when they lose. And he's a loser. But the thing is, if the GOP and Trump are putting democracy in danger, it's hard to think of why Democrats should be on board with compromising with those people. Like, it feels like the messaging comes with this built-in catch-22. Absolutely. It's it's exactly right. It's like, uh, and that's sort of the the, the sort of contradiction at the heart of the Biden experience. And, And I think why they're struggling to talk about, to figure out what to message on. Because like, right, it's like, okay, here is a, a political party that's so radical that they represent a legitimate threat to democracy. They legitimately tried to overturn the re- the democratic results of an election. Like that's just true. At the same time, Biden also managed to to strike a lot of bipartisan deals with these people. It's like that also happened. I didn't think that would happen. I I, I was surprised that that was on offer. You know, a lot of people say that's great. That maybe it is great. But then you kind of can't run on both. And I think that that's a real challenge. Is it like are you better off saying, look, I turned the temperature down. I worked across the aisle. I accomplished all this stuff. Like, look at my record. Look at all, all the things that I've done in a bipartisan manner. Or are you better off saying, like, I'm the thing that stands between this country and collapse. Like, you know, we are we are working for you. We're doing all this stuff. And the people on the other side of the aisle are not, they're not partners in this. They're not partners in democratic exercise. They are enemies of the democratic state. After the break, why worried Democrats maybe should Calm the F down. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So what should Biden be doing differently? Like, is it really that he needs to choose whether he's Mr. Compromise or Mr. Saving Democracy? Look, I'm not I'm not a strategist or a campaign person, so I don't want to you know give myself too much standing here. But I think that like. I think you have to articulate some enemies. And I think that like the Biden administration, they've done like a really prolific job of signing legislation that sent out a lot of money, right, to different causes, to climate, to, you know, state and local governments, to all sorts of stuff, right? They had this American Rescue Plan Act and the IRA and like the infrastructure bill, like they sent a ton of money out the door. The industrial policy, you know, has sort of like burnished American manufacturing. That's one thing. That's like the carrot. What they haven't been big on is the stick. And I think that when you're running a campaign, it's it's easy to say, I'm for this, I'm for that, I'm for whatever. And we have a record of being for that. It's all true. Like the economy is doing really well. Like the labor market is really hot. But I think you also have to say, like, I'm against X, I'm against Y. And I think that they've been really cautious on that. And I think that they're going to have to do that because, you know, it's like 
you have, you have to tell a story that makes sense. Like there are villains and and there are heroes, right? There are there are forces in this in this country in this world that do not want you American uh, person to to thrive. You're getting into this issue, which I think is important, which is like, what is Biden going to do with a second term other than just not be Trump? One of the issues that I think is really interesting to look at when it comes to a question like that is abortion, because abortion is something that Biden's historically had some trouble talking about, like he doesn't like to use the word. But at the same time, it's been this huge political winner for Democrats. If you look at the last few years and how local elections, state and local elections have gone. And it's interesting because you know you've, you can see Biden begin to start talking about abortion. Like he was talking about that case in Texas where Kate Cox, this woman there, was denied an abortion despite the risk to her life that her pregnancy posed. Biden called what happened to her un-American. But I don't know what his solution for someone like Kate Cox is. Right. And I think that, like, if you were a Biden messaging person, like, every person in America should know the name of Kate Cox, right? I mean, it's a a horrifying story. But they should have been like, all right, this needs to be out everywhere. Everyone needs to know about Kate Cox. Everyone needs to know what happened, why it happened, and why it wouldn't happen if Democrats were in charge uh, or if this was, you know, if Texas was a blue state or whatever it was. But I think that, right, it it is a really interesting question because they do want to run on abortion. Biden is not an abortion guy. Like, it's not his been his, it's never been his issue. Um, Obviously, this has fallen into his lap. And Biden has said, we're going to codify Roe v. Wade. We're going to codify Roe v. Wade, which is not much of a commitment because, like, how are they going to codify Roe v. Wade if it takes 60 votes? They're not winning 60 Senate seats. That's for sure. So I think, you know, is Biden going to say, like, hey, I'm open to overhauling these, these structural uh, norms in this chamber that I served in for so, so many years and that I, you know, so revere to the point of just total dysfunction um, in order to protect your right to abortion. That would be a big step. I haven't heard of that. It kind of gets back to his whole elder statesman problem. Right, right, right. Exactly. But yeah, how do you run on that? You Right. It actually isn't as simple as like abortion rights, right? It's not it's not pithy. It's like, OK, we support abortion rights. And in the name of that, we also would like to do some structural reforms to the Senate so that we can pursue a policy that will eventually reinstate the sort of limited protections that existed prior to this. Like, that's not a great slogan. <laughs> it's not pithy, for sure. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that the fact that Biden is talking about Kate Cox, again, to me, that's a real positive. Um, it's a positive in a lot of ways that, that represents some learning, even from 2020 and probably from 2022 even. I, this is not, you didn't hear a ton of this from him. I feel like both of us have some pretty critical things to say about Joe Biden's approach to his reelection campaign. But that said, I sort of wonder if there's an argument to be made that actually America and people like us do need to calm the F down. And I say that because I think that, as we've said, we're a year out from any kind of election. People are projecting into the future what they want. They're not good at doing that. But the things that, for instance, Donald Trump is saying right now, the alarming things, the things that are upsetting. Be, you know, he keeps, we love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. They're a performance primarily for his base. And the base doesn't win general elections. And I wonder a little bit if 
Biden is performing for a general election, not a base right now. And so in that sense, his whole approach may look stronger in like six months time. Yeah, I think it might. It might if he can bring these surge voters and young voters into the fold. I think that if he could get that short up, then we could say, yes, that that he is he he's more, you know, it's like, you know, to borrow like a football metaphor, it's like he's more built for playoff time than he is for regular season football. I think like if you look at the policy record, the Biden economy for all the sort of, you know, the hand wringing about high prices and inflation and stuff like the economy, the, the labor market is great. Like they ran the economy really, really hot. And in doing so, they, they did it on purpose. It's helped return organized labor as a force in this country. I mean, Biden going to the picket line on the UAW strike was a huge, I mean, that was a huge statement by him to do that. And like people are doing better. You know, a lot of people are doing better. I think he actually has a really good story to tell. Um, I think the order of operations here is really critical because of, you know, a lot of things, but Israel and Gaza being, being a huge one of them. You have to do something to bring these young voters back into the fold. I think that he probably has a really good case to make if he can make it. And uh, maybe it's not such a five alarm sort of fire. And it's maybe just a sort of close race. (laughs) It seems possible to me. It's funny when I think about Biden's challenges right now, I keep thinking about that moment when Biden sort of said, like, oh, if Trump wasn't running, I wouldn't be running. And you're sort of like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I think about that and I'm like, oh, that's that is the problem here. Right, right. And like, you know, for all the Biden detractors that there's so many of them and there, there's polling out there that shows that Biden is not doing any worse against Trump than any other, you know, any other top Democrat. Right. Like he's not he's not doing worse than Gavin Newsom. He's not doing worse than Kamala Harris. He's not doing worse than, you know, like anyone really. I mean, I, you know, if you really look closely at like the 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 voter rolls like Biden did better with like older voters and white voters. And that was what Trump, you know, thrived on. So in that sense, those people still love Biden, you know, like those are the, those are the, those would be Biden's last men and women standing. So in some sense, you know, maybe there's something to that, but you can't win without uh, the actual democratic voting base, which is the thing that Biden is, is now risking. So there's a balance. Alex Salmon, I'm super grateful for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Alex Salmon is a politics writer for Slate. And that's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to find out how. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, and Madeline Ducharme. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate, and I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. I will catch you back here a little later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.